while we remain standing, I hope you brought your Bible tonight. This is going to be, I think, very important to you. Um, I want to talk to you. Go to Second Peter, and I'm going to. Second Peter, chapter number one, way up by Revelation. Second Peter, Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter. Way up there with me. Second Peter, chapter. Second Peter chapter number one. We're going to start reading in verse number four. <clears throat> I broke my glasses the other day. I was trying to adjust them, and, and the, the lens just popped right out, and there's a thin wire that goes underneath it like that, and, and it just snapped. And so I got these, and uh, who knows, maybe they'll be better. Uh, but we'll see what happens, okay? So you bear with me. I really am reading out of King James Bible. It's not the King James Bible fault. It'd be my fault, okay? Look at verse number four. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to and, and, I'm sorry, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these be in you and abound, they they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. He hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. That would grab my attention right there. If I had no idea what this was talking about, that in itself would grab my attention. Verse number 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I shall not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye knew them, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my, de after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. I want to talk to you about, uh, I got a, uh, it's going to take a few weeks probably, but I think it's very, very important. I want to talk to you about these things, about these things. Doesn't make sense to you right now, but we're going to talk about that. Let me start off by saying this: I would assume that most of the people in this room believe the whole Bible. I'm not asking to amen or say yes, or basically you believe the Bible as a whole. Our problem is is believing everything that it teaches and says. If you say do you believe the Bible, yes, I do. Then you get into certain areas and go. And so we believe the whole Bible, but then we have a problem uh, trying to figure out this or that, and we kind of shy away from. I, I, there's a, a problem I think we as modern-day Christians, maybe all Christians down through time, but I know we do in this day and age. We tend to go to the Bible only to confirm what we already know. That's why a lot of people come to church and decide what church they're going to. They only want to go somewhere where, they, where that preacher already agrees with me. So if you ever get to the point where he says something you don't understand or don't agree with, you go to another church. If you only go to the Bible to confirm what you already know or believe or realize, here's what you have to understand. There is a never-ending amount of knowledge and truth and wisdom and promises in this Bible from our God to us. So if we only go there to confirm what we already know, that's like a child in first grade going, I don't need to go any farther, all that stuff new. I don't need to learn anything else. That's not true. You have to keep learning. Not, you cannot be gullible. You 
cannot say, oh, this is new. I bet that's good. Everything has to be based and fit into God's word. If it doesn't, I don't care how advantageous it may seem. I don't care how wonderful it may appear. If it doesn't fit in this book properly, rightly dividing the word of truth, it is no good for you. It will deceive you. It will mislead you. So I want to talk to you about this tonight. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help me to help your people this so-called introduction, full of information, though, to help them a lot. And I ask you to please help me to help them, which is what you called me to do here. Lord, I am not always to agree with them. We are all supposed to agree with you. And so help me to do that, to bring about in such a way where they can be have an understanding of this marvelous, marvelous truth. So help me, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to go to Joshua chapter number one, right after Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter number one. The Bible is a book of, I'm going to use the term recipes, um, how-tos, step-by-steps that come along with great promises. You've heard the old adage about grandma's biscuits. Uh, if you want what grandma in her biscuits, uh, how she produced them, if you want that product, you have to know the recipe. And in that recipe, I was surprised at how many recipes isn't just throw a bunch of stuff in a pot, it's all there. Some of it is you have to add it at certain times, certain steps, or it doesn't turn out right. Ladies, any of you baking do that? Okay, so you know I'm telling the truth, right? And so in God's word, uh, there are uh, recipes, there are promises, uh, and, and it'll also tell you the order that those promises have to be uh, received in or, or made yours. And by the way, it will turn out exactly the way God said. Every time for every one that has the right recipe. Now, by the way, these recipes aren't hidden recipes. Uh, no, God wants you to have them. Uh, God put them in this book so that everybody, all of his children, all of his children can be privy to these things. And so we have to understand this. Let me give you an example about this recipe thing. Go to Joshua chapter number 1. Look at verse number 8. Joshua chapter number 1, verse number 8. Are we there? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. There's no period there. For then, did you get that? Shalt thou make thy way, I'm getting an echo from something. I don't know what the deal is here. Uh, make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want you to understand something. There's three things in this recipe. There's three things that you put into the recipe to get the outcome that is spoken about in that verse. Now, I'm using this as an illustration. Look, if you would, this book of the law, talking about the word of God, this book of the law shall not depart out of that mouth. That's one ingredient. Okay? So I can't have the promises. I cannot have the product with one additive when it says there's three. Number two, thou shalt meditate, talking about in the word of God, day and night. That's the second ingredient. Okay? Now, he labels them right here. And then number three, do according to what is written therein, talking about the word of God. So we see here these are the ingredients what to do to bring this about. There are promises after this. These are the ingredients, and then we have the promise. If you do not include the ingredients, forget about the promise. I don't care how much you pray about it, how much you want it. It doesn't work that way. So here's what we find out. Look at the second part of verse number 8. He said, start with the, for then. See that right there in the middle? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. For then. That means there's something that comes before that. And we just talked about those three ingredients, right? He said, uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Number two, thou shalt meditate in, in day and night in the word he's talking about. Do according to as is written. Then, for then, after you do those, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, that's what I, I want the last part. But you can't just want the last part. The recipe, the ingredients have to come first or you cannot have the outcome. This will be the outcome or that which is brought about when one applies the ingredients. God's word is full of things like that. In other words, all of God's promises come with conditions. Now, God is not trying to keep them away from you with those conditions. God is saying, here's what builds to this condition. Here is what you need to receive that great promise. 
God does this throughout the Bible. Let me give you another illustration. Uh, okay, let me say this first. Many people are interested, are not interested in good success. Now, here he talked about good success. Many people are not interested in good success. They're interested in success, not good success. Here he said, and then thou shalt have good success. They just want to succeed. You want physical prosperity, financial prosperity. Those that want to be rich and, 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 and are heading towards many, according to the Bible and in our society, many hurtful things are headed your direction. So the Bible talks about those that want to be rich, and it talks about those that are rich. Those that want to be rich, it said, because you want to be, you're going to suffer many hurtful things. Now, God tells us ahead of time in the Bible. You'll see that in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Then he talks about those that, that are rich, and it talks about those and, the, and their responsibility on how to handle that so it doesn't get the best of them. So it's all laid out in the Bible. God has a recipe for those kinds of things. But now he's talking about now good success. Watch, good success, not success, good success may bring with it riches and material things, but that is not the ingredient that you're looking for. See, people are quick to run. Well, Abraham was rich. Uh, that was not what Abraham was after. Abraham was after walking with God, going to a land that God would show him, and in that God prospered him. That's the difference. Uh, and so I, I could show you that throughout the Bible. Go to Psalm chapter number 1. You're familiar with these things. I'm trying to prove a point before I get to our text there in First Peter. Go to Psalm chapter number 1. In Psalm chapter number 1, here we have a recipe that includes three don'ts, two do's, and then we have the results. Okay? In three, in three verses, we have all of that. First, Psalm number 1, verses 1 through 3. Ready? Blessed is the man. I want that. I want to be a blessed man. You? Okay. But there are some things in this recipe to be blessed you cannot do. Here it is. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, number two, nor standeth in the way of sinners, number three, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. Then you go down to, these are also things in, in the recipe, things you have to do, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the recipe. The recipe for what? Verse number three. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, he shall. See, I like that. I like that word. I like good success, and I like to prosper. Don't you? I don't care what it's in. I don't care if it's mowing the lawn, fixing my yard. Uh, I don't care if it's preaching. I, I like to prosper, and God is for that also. So here's what we have to understand. Other topics in the Bible, same thing. First of all, he said, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, let me help you understand what he's talking about here. Counsel means advice. So he's saying here, now, if you want to be a blessed man and you want to be planted and you want to bring forth fruit in your season and, and get all of these promises here, you cannot take counsel or instruction from morally wrong people. Now, morally wrong isn't what you think is moral or what you don't think is moral. It's the way God describes it. And so, also, it means actively bad people. So he's saying when you recognize people like that, according to what I describe in here, you don't take advice from them. So he's saying here, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't take advice from ungodly people. That's one ingredient. Then he goes on down here. He says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now listen very carefully. By example, call sinners to become confused because of the way you live. In other words, what he's saying here, you are in their way. They cannot see the way clearly because of you. You're standing in their way. You're in the way of them being able to make progress towards God or doing what is right because of you. He said, now you can't do that. If you want to be a blessed person, if you want to be established, if you want to bring forth fruit, you cannot stand in the way of sinners. Another word may be stumbling block. They're tripping all over you because you're not living the way you should. It doesn't seem to matter. And God said, okay, but this, this promise doesn't belong to you. He said, all the promises in the Bible for his kids, they are, but they all come with conditions. Now, watch what else he says here. Nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. You know what a scornful person is? A critic. They're a critic. They're a 
gossip. They're a meddler in other men's affairs. What he's saying is don't be found sitting around with these types of people. You don't. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Scroll, scroll. Oh, sin, right? But you and I, in our modern day, say, I never say a bad word about anybody. I know, but you sure do a lot of texting. And God knows the difference. God's already been in the future. Okay, actually, he's there now. Now, so watch what happens here. But then he comes around. Don't do, you cannot sit around with these kinds of people. So there are three don'ts. There's also two do's. Now, we haven't got to you being blessed yet. God said, these are the conditions. These are the ingredients in order to receive what all of us like to latch on to. Oh, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth his fruit, his leaf also. And whatsoever do, he'll prosper. I'm sorry. There are two verses before that that come with conditions or ingredients to receive that. So one of them is, but his delight shall be in the law of the Lord. Delight. Delight is not, I have to. I have great choice. If I don't, I'll never get it. You see, that's not delightful. That's not willing. Okay, you we're clearing this up a little bit. And then number five, and is and in his word day and night. It's just, it's part of it. It's just, I, I like it. We talk about it. I think about it. I, 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 I bounce everything off of what I've learned from God. That's just the way that day and night I'm always thinking about. Now, once all five of those, you have those three don'ts, those two do's, then these four things of results, God said, they're yours. One, two, three, right there. Got it? Okay, so what we have here, these five ingredients, all five bring about and produce what? Verse number three. So you have these three don'ts, two do's, which brings about verse number three. I don't think this is real hard to understand so far, right? Okay, it's kind of laid out just like you wrote it on a paper. Say, okay, take flour, two cups, put it in a pan. I don't see why I need flour. Then you can't have the biscuits. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I thought biscuits were for everybody. They are, but you got to have flour, right? I think, right, honey? Gotta have, okay, got to have flour, all right? And uh, some some recipes will just tell you, uh, you you can't put that in yet. This one and this one has to be mixed together before you put that. I don't know why it works that way. You know, I just take it, okay, need some of that, some of that, some of that, turn on the mixer, okay, put it in a pan, it should be good. Everything that the recipe called for is in there, but there's also a way that some recipes have to be laid out. We'll get to that there in First Peter. Go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. You know where I'm going with this one? I'm going to give you a recipe on how to bring salvation or bring a nation back to God. Oh, no, I'm not going to give it to you. God gave it to you. Look in your words, Second Chronicles, chapter number 7. Go down to verse number 14. Now, there are some conditions here. There are four ingredients and three results. You've got to have the ingredients before you can have the results. The results are wonderful, almost impossible to believe, but God said it, so I believe it. However, God said if you do not meet these conditions, if you do not put in these ingredients, you cannot have those biscuits. I'm sorry. It's not that God doesn't want us to have them. God said here's the condition. I told you what will bring that about, and you don't want to do that. So therefore, the promise is not yours. Look what it says here in verse number 14. If my people, which are called by my name, so he's talking to Christians. In this particular case, he's talking to the Jews. Shall, here's number one, shall humble themselves. Well, that'll stop right there, won't it? We want our nation brought back to God. We want our land to prosper. We want our land to go forward and be strong again. Well, that's, that's the result of the ingredients. You don't have the right ingredients. You cannot have that. Okay, now watch what he says. If my people, which are called by my name, number one, shall humble themselves, number two, and pray, number three, and seek my face, number four, and turn from their wicked way. What's the next word? Then. Means after this. Then. Then what? Then I will hear from heaven. God said, I'm waiting on you to have the right ingredients. I told you what they were. Not hiding them from you. I told you what the what the ingredients are. Now, when you bring those ingredients, like I said, then I will hear from heaven. That's not all. Watch what else he says. I will forgive your sin. He's talking about the nation. And then he said, I will heal their land. America, there's your problem right there. 
Every man is right in his own eyes. We argue with God. We tell dignities what we like and what we don't like. And somehow, then we turn to God. Why won't you do something? God said, I will. Here's, here's the ingredients right here. You do that, I'll do that. God has never broke a promise. Every recipe God comes up with turns out exactly the way he laid it out in the Bible. The problem is God. The problem is us. So these are the things that we run into here. I'm not going to introduce tonight or describe to you the ingredients for stuff. I'm going to present to you tonight the product. Okay, let's assume I come up with an idea for fried chicken. That, cholesterol-free, non-fattening, delicious. The first thing you would say, if I could sell you on that, you'd say, Chicken with no cholesterol, seriously, and it still tastes good. Yeah, I'm interested. So if I could, if I could sell you, if you would, on a product and a promise, and you go, okay, I'm interested. Okay, now you may be able to realize and accept ingredients. That makes sense. Okay. Now, I want to start by telling you about the product that's available to everybody in this room. Every every child of God. Every child of God. I'm getting ready to take you to. Go back to 1 Peter. First, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Something about the product, or what is the product, or what will these things produce? I'm going to tell you about the product, or what these things, I'm going to tell you what the things are, what they will produce. If I can get you to see what this is going to bring about, I'm, my hope is, and I think this is the way God laid it out, my hope is is that you'll go like this. I want that. You ever watch commercials, the way they go about doing things? They sell you on a product, and you don't even know what the ingredients are, do you? It's not like contracts anymore, right? Just sign the contract. We'll discuss it later. And we run into these problems, then come to find out, wait a minute, I don't like the ingredients in that thing. Well, God's saying, I'm going to present to you a product. And before you buy into it, I'm just going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you right after that what the ingredients are. Hopefully, if you, if you, this is bad words, hopefully I can sell you on this. It's not my promise, not my ingredients. God wrote this in the Bible to help his people. So look at verse number 8. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. I want you to understand something. Watch this. First thing, these things. You see this? For if these things be in you and about. Now, the first thing you look for are these things. Look, I'm trying to sell you on the cholesterol-free, non-fattening chicken. So I'm going to present to you the chicken, and then we'll come back to these things. Okay? You follow me? Okay. So the first thing, these things, whatever they are, will do or produce if these things be in you. The first thing it will produce, look at verse number 8. It says this, They make you that you shall neither be barren. Barren. What does that mean? Barren means put away, made useless. It means become shipwrecked. In other words, it means if these things be found in you, they will make you useful. through you, okay? Now, so what's he saying? I, I will make you not be barren. Uh, if you've ever been fully involved in a work, say the local church for Christ, I cannot think of a more hurtful and devastating thing than to not be take up your time with a lot of stuff, but if you've ever been involved, fully involved in the work of the Lord anywhere, I mean, you've given yourself to it all the way, and then all of a sudden it just stops. You feel barren. Seriously, you feel barren. Why do you feel barren? So he said here, make you not that way. Make you not barren. The great accomplishment, <laughs> is this not 
not amazing. God takes sinful men, saves them while they still have sin in their life, and says, I want you to do a work. I want you to work with me. Who would ever thought that was possible? So as we're doing this, God blesses it. God is taking sinful man who he had to save, sinful man who he teaches, sinful man that he blesses, and says, will you work with me? What kind of a God are we serving? Is that not amazing or what? He takes a piece of flesh, sinful flesh, and the almighty, perfect God says, I want to use you. That's amazing. Now, while we're engaged in all that, something happens, whatever that something is. So first of all, we have make you not barren. Next, he says, nor unfruitful. What does that mean? It means pretty close to the same thing it says in Joshua that we talked about. It means good. you'll have good success. Good success. You'll be fruitful. Good success. It's like a farmer that plants a field or an orchard, and things begin to bloom and fruit comes out. That's good success right there. See, so he's producing things here. Anything that would righteously benefit God and others. Is fruitful. For a Christian, anything less than that would be unfruitful. And he said, if these things be in you, they will make you so that you will not be unfruitful. So in other words, you will produce. You understand? Okay, hold on. I'm trying to sell you on this fried chicken with no cholesterol. You can't get fat off of it. Okay, it's good for you. It's healthy. And you say, okay, I, I got to see it. What do you got in that? I'm trying to show you the product. Once I sell you on the product, then I want to tell you what's included so that you can have that. Do you follow me so far? Okay, good. Now, let me give you an example. This thing about good success, you may have a hard time understanding that. Let me try to explain it this way. <clears throat> for years, my family, my wife said it like this, for years, my family, before I got saved, but even after I got saved, we struggled. Man, we struggled. Our kids always had the hand-me-downs. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just making that statement. Uh, we had a lot of cars were given to us. Uh, or somebody made it so cheap, I, I, I just, you know, I can afford it. Um, we lived in rental places all the way until I was in my 40s. I got saved when I was 20. Uh, we went through all these different problems, and all these things are going on. While others around us had great jobs, prospering, going after money, going after position, buying their kids the best, moved into a bigger house, and you say, success. They had success. I believe I had good success. Why do I say that? Because you see what happened is, as they were going after the material, which is not Bible, if that is your motive, that is not Bible. You may succeed in your own opinion with what you think you're trying to achieve, but that is not Bible. On the other hand, they just blew right by me. Whoop. Now, after 30, 40, 50 years, whatever the case may be, they have succeeded. They can go where they want to. They can now, during that same time, I was trying to build a church, teach a Sunday school class, win souls to Christ, run a bus route, and just kept giving myself away, giving myself away. Everything I had, I just gave away to other people, gave my life, gave my talent, gave lots of talent, gave everything that I had for the cause of Christ and other people. To me, watch, now after 50-some years, see, you're in too big of a hurry have success, if you'll just follow what God said, you may not be the first one out the gate, but you're headed towards good success. So now, have nice cars. That's not what I was after. Got a beautiful home. That's not what I was after. I got a great place to work. That's not what I was after. I was after serving the Lord and giving myself to the cause of Christ. I wasn't after the material. I was not after the money. I was not after the house. Those
those things came because I was giving myself to the Lord. And whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And God said, if you will give, I will give to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto you. Not by next weekend necessarily. But I call that good success. You see, the want of those things was not what drove me. I have told you the story of when I worked at Rockwell, the guy standing out by the, by the uh, security guard at the front desk, openly talking about that. And I'm waiting for my brown bag for my wife. And so I'm waiting by the front door. And uh, while I'm there, they're cussing and telling dirty stories and talking about filthy things. And I'm trying to, okay, come on, honey, where are you at? You got to get in here so I can leave. While I'm there, conversation changed just like that. And the guy said, you know what I've been thinking about doing? I'm thinking about getting into ministry. That captured my attention. It probably captured yours too. You just got through cussing up more than three sailors put together, and all of a sudden you just changed on a dime. Here's the, here's the thinking. Watch this. He wanted instant success. Here's what he said. There is a Lutheran seminary up off of um, 23. And he said, you know, if you go up there. Now, this was way, way back in 85, 86, somewhere in that. And he said, uh, you go up there, if you get through their college, they will give you a house, they will give you a church, and they will guarantee you, I think way back then, it was sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. He said, man, now that's the life I want. See, he wanted success. His motive said, I don't care about good success. I just want success. That's, that's kind of the difference that I'm talking about here. A man that starts a business, a career to make money and financially secure himself after 20, 30, 40, 50 years and retires never having a need, success. That's success. The world will tell you that's success. Me as a pastor, I give my life, everything I have to God, to others, winning souls, doing all these different things. In God's opinion and in my opinion, that's good success. That's why I said most people in the world today, they're only concerned about success. The world's idea of what success is would be the first guy. Because the way that God says it, it's like, I ain't going to care about that. I want to hurry and be successful. And that's what men talk about anyway. We gauge our successfulness on the size of our house, our income, where we work, our education. That is success. You take a guy that starts in a storefront who hardly can't feed his family, starts with nothing, and just keeps giving themselves away all the time, and in a short 50-some years, now you look and go, man, he just got everything. I wasn't after that. I'm still not after that. Yeah, but that's who you give it to. Now, it's okay. So, what's happened? The poor man in this world, in my opinion, I understand what I just said, the poor man simply has a stack of everything you got, sell it, and stack all the green cake away. If that's all you got, you're a poor man. I've got millions. Uh, money doesn't necessarily make you rich in the world's context, but God is using us to transform lives for eternity. Good success. You see the difference? And God said, I can do this for you. And in these passages, go back to first, Second Peter chapter number 1. In these passages, there are eight things, if you do these things, eight things, if you do these things, first of all, it will produce, you'll be used of God, you'll not be barren. Number two, you'll have good success, you'll not be unfruitful. Now, number three, go to verse number 10. Verse number 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do, there's that term again, these things. You're going to find out this is mentioned about eight or nine times. I thought I should go ahead and go ahead and skip that. That would be very, very poor. Shoot, just a second. Oh, dang. Okay, we'll come back to this in a minute. I want you to go to first, Second Peter chapter 1. Verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound, look at verse number nine. But he that lacketh these things, look at verse number ten. 
Verse number 10, go to the last part. For if you do these things, and he goes on from there. Go to verse number 12. Verse number 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Go to verse number 15. Verse number 15. Moreover, I will endeavor uh, that ye may be able after my departure to have these things. So this isn't just a passing phrase I picked out. This is a repetitious thing that he keeps talking about something that he's referring to as these things, not that thing, these things. We're going to get back and talking about that in a minute. But for right now, I want you to go to back to, to, to 2 Peter chapter number 1. I want you to go down to verse number 10. Here he says, it will keep you from falling. necessarily what he's talking about. Listen to me very carefully here. He's talking about here stumble to the point of not rising up again. Everybody stumbles. Everybody sins. You can shake your head later or not. Because we do. And that's the truth. These things will keep you from ruining your life. Whatever these things are. See, I'm getting interested now. And I want to know about that. I don't want to ruin my life. You? So I'm interested in what these things are. I want to know the order that they're in. I want to know how they apply to my life. Why? Because I want this product. I want this non-cholesterol, non-fat chicken. I want it. Are you, are you following me? We're talking about food. I'm trying to keep you engaged here. Now, so it's talking about going into the depths of sin and becoming a castaway. I don't want to do that. I don't think you want to do that. I don't think any of God's genuine saved Christians want to. You don't want to, you may want to pay attention to these things. Go down to verse number 12. In verse number 12, he says this Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Now, watch, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Be established in the present truth. You know what established is? Established means I'm set. I'm set. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to keep changing. I shall not, you know that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. He's talking about I'm set. I'm not moving. I'm not changing. Isn't it amazing, uh, even in, 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 I think it's Proverbs, it might be Psalms, it talks about do not meddle with them that are given to change. I'm not talking about changing your pocket. I'm talking about people that keep changing every time they turn around. Well, one of the reasons people do that. I'm not asking you to examine people. I'm asking you to examine yourself. You're going to find out here that you get established in the truth. How can you keep changing if you're established in the truth? How's that? Well, our world changes. It ain't got a thing to do with the Bible. The changing world has nothing to do with God's word. His word was settled in heaven before the world ever began. God knew everything of everybody and every kind. There's only one book for everybody. Well, over in India, they have the same book. Brother Nelms was just here. Thing is, they've been given a lot of non-truth, and then when they're given truth, man, does it make them free. And so God looked at, clear to the end of time and said, this is what you need to know. Here's all, here's all you need right here. Everything you need. You do understand that during the thousand-year millennial reign that we're going to be learning God's word and taking it through for a thousand years. So don't tell me you know the Bible pretty well. For a thousand years, we're going to be learning the Bible and taking it to the whole world. So I'm going to assume there's a few more things in here we ought to learn. So what do we have here? I'm, going, I'm not going to change. People are changing all the time. The reason is they're not set in truth. When I think set and unmovable, I think concrete. I don't know why. I just do. I think of a person who stood in concrete. This way, and actually, you can lean as far as you want to, but you're not moving. Why? Because the concrete, what we call it, set up. Shorter term would be it's set, right? It's solid. It's not moving. Up until that point, don't mess with it. 
But once it's set, and so here he says, be established in the present truth. Be established. Established means set here. I'm not going to change. Now, uh, go back to verse number 9. Look at verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. That doesn't mean your eyesight's going bad. What it means is you cannot see the will of God for yourself down this road. I don't know what to do. I don't have the, how do I know that's the will of God? I don't know. Well, first of all, you need to be established in the truth. If you don't know your Bible, that's a big problem right there. Once you do that, it doesn't change, so you can just stand on there no matter what the world does. The other thing is, he said, you cannot see afar off. Here, it's like you cannot see the will of God for your life. You can't see it. Does it make sense? Even if it's spelled out in the Bible, somehow it, it, it eludes you. You cannot put your finger on it. But look what he says. Six things that I'm going to teach you that if you do them, will, will what? These six things. Now, whatever these things are, we don't know what those are yet, right? But we see it's been repeated at least five or six times already. And if I know what those ingredients are and I apply them to my life, here is the products that I'm getting. I'll be used of God. I won't be barren. You'll have good success. I won't be unfruitful. It'll keep you from falling. I will not ruin my life. Number four, keep you from ever changing. It will establish you and fix you in the word of God. Number five, you'll see the will of God for your life. You'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see it. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Some people can't hardly even see around them what's going on. And God said, here, you'll be able to see far off. The will of God for you. You're not getting all spooky. I have a vision now. And uh, so watch. Go down to verse number 11. Verse number 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot about that verse I do not know. I'm going to act like I know that. (laughs) But there is something I do know that it teaches here, and it's this. If these things be in you and about you, whatever these things are, all of those other things included, and also... It's a joy that is just hard to explain. Your heart is breaking with joy. Your, uh, you ever seen, you ever seen, I think it's so, so tender. You see a grown man or a woman crying, and I mean for good reason, and they're smiling. You're not comforting them. They're going, that's a great story. It's that, a joy that doesn't come from down here. It's not put on, it's not, well, I had to behave, you know, everybody's here at the funeral. It's not that kind of a stuff. It's something that comes from eternity. It's a joy that enters into you that what you're, he said, now if these things be in you, you'll always have a bit of eternal joy here. Now, that's interesting to me too. It's a tough old world, isn't it? There's some tough things we have to face, especially as Christians. Like we can't go out and shoot up and drink and go out and party and get over it and take the edge off. We have to live in terms of reality. And God said, I can help you with that. I can give you a touch of eternal joy. Now, hold on, hold on, if these things be in you. And, and abound, okay? So here, what he's talking about, it doesn't make any difference whether you're a multimillionaire or you work for the trash company. They make pretty good money down there. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. You can have that joy. It doesn't make any difference if you're a bit running a business or trying to run a home. God said, look, these things be in you. You can have joy doing it because we have some people that hate being in the home. You know why? These things aren't in you. And I have other people who think they're out in the world and they're not. They don't have any joy either. So what makes the difference then? If these things be in you, it doesn't make any difference where you at or how you end up. Great health or no health at all. If you do these things, you'll always have an abundance of eternal joy. fattening, non-cholesterol, right? And it has great taste, too. See, now, normally you do all that healthy stuff, it's like, whatever, it's like cardboard. No, I'm talking about the good stuff, okay? Now, Peter is getting ready to die 
verse number 13 and 14. Look what he says. Now he's getting ready. God's already told him. He's getting ready to pass away. Watch what he says. Now I don't know when, but he, he knows it's, going, it's coming. Look at verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet or necessary. As long as I am in this tabernacle, he's not talking about the teaching tabernacle. He's talking about his body. Boy, how do I know that? Watch. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle. He's talking about his body. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to pass away. I know that. I know it's coming. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. God said, Peter, you got that time wrong. So here's what Peter says. The importance that he places on this teaching. Understand, he's getting ready to pass away, and for some reason, he thinks this is absolutely necessary to teach them before he goes. Now, that also puts some emphasis and importance on this, don't you think? So watch what happens here. Go down to verse number 12. Go back up to verse number 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Thereof. Though ye know them, so he's taught them before. He's going to teach them again because he says that after my departure, after I leave, I want you to remember, guess what he says, these things. This is important stuff right here. So he said, I'm not going to be negligent. I want you to have these six things, these six products, these six outcomes as a part of your life. I don't. I will not be negligent not to teach you about these things so you can have these products in your life. Because I'm getting ready to pass away. Very important. I've told you before. You remember this. But I'm going to tell you again. And then I'm going to tell you again. And then I'm going to tell you again. Why? I don't want you. Verse 13 and 14, Peter said, as long as I live, I'm going to stir you up. Not just about anything. Put you in remembrance of these things. I am going to stir up your memory. Uh, I like what Peter and the teachers out there every morning, uh, we have this prayer and he irritates the students by saying, and if they have tests or quizzes today, Lord, please bring back to their remembrance that which they have studied you can't bring back something you never put in there. So Peter says, look, I know it's there. I taught you before. And I'm going to remind you again. And I'm going to remind you again. And I'm going to remind you again. Because I know I'm getting ready to leave. So I'm, going to remind, I'm not going to be negligent not to teach you these things. This is how important this is to the apostle Peter. Of course, by the inspiration of God, of course. So he's going to remind him of these six things. Here they are. You want to be used of God. You want to have good success, not just be successful in this world. To keep you from ruining your life, from falling away and never finding your way back. Hey, this is not going to be good. Keeping you from ever changing. Oh, I wish I could have that kind of life. You'll see the will of God for your life. There it is. I see it. Look, Baptist, that don't happen. God's will is here. I was talking to someone today. Things that throw us. Uh, preacher, should I buy the yellow house or the blue house? What do you think God wants me to do? I don't know. You know what? God doesn't say blue house or yellow house. So what do we do? I simply try to help people make right decisions on things like that. No preacher, no prophetess, no anybody can tell you God's will for you personally about things like that. However, I was telling this person the first time I went to the hospital, and they said, Preacher, mom's dying, when should we pull the plug? Excuse me? Now, I didn't act shocked like that, but in my head, I'm panicking, thinking, what are you talking about? I can't give you an answer for that. You can't either. It's amazing how we do that. Here's what I do if I had cancer. Here's what I do if I were dying. Here's what I do. But you're not. But we're real free with advice. So during that time, I had to come up with what would I tell these people? So I came up with, if you would, ingredients on how to make a decision that the Bible would require. So God gives us discernment and wisdom and understanding to make decisions about things that he doesn't particularly talk about. Okay, let's talk about a guy who is saved and loves the Lord uh, dating an unsaved person. I can tell you exactly right now, that is against God's word and that should not be done. 
You say you don't even know it. Don't need to know her. I know what God said about her. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That part's easy. But a blue house or a red house, a Volkswagen or a Audi, they take me out. Um, there's no Bible for that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about your finances. We'll talk about you and your wife. Do you agree on this? Why? Because she's got to live with you and my wife just left me. I had my black car that I sold for first time she drove, she came back, she goes, has your pride get the best of you when you drive this car? I said, doubt that it does. So, then he said this, you'll have eternal happiness or a joy that no matter what you're going through, so you want that, I want this product, whatever, whatever these things do, I want, this, here's the product, here are the six things, I want these. Look at verse 15, here's what he says, he says, after my decease, you see that in there? Have these things always in remembrance. These things. Peter said, I'm going to go over it, and I'm going to go over it, and I'm going to go over it. Is that important to me? Is that important to you? Until even after I am dead and gone, you will not forget these things. I don't want you to forget them. So I'm going to go over it and over it and over it. Clear up to the time I'm getting ready to leave this world. That's how important this is to me. These things are so important. And what these things produce are so wonderful. Peter says, I'm going to repeat this again. You heard it once, and you remember it. I'm going to put you back in your remembrance once again. Over the next few weeks, I want to give you the ingredients for these products. Like the other ones in Psalms and also in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, also in uh, Joshua there when he talked about good success there was a recipe or things that God said these are the conditions that's yours here's a condition to make yours anybody can have it but here are the conditions so God's not trying to keep us at an arm's length he's not playing hide and go seek he wants us to have this but not anybody just come up and say okay that's mine that's mine God said okay you want these big time biscuits you want this special chicken Nobody knows about, but I want you to have it. Here's what you can have. They're yours. These are not just your average promises. He said, these things, man, you'll be used of God. You'll have good success. It'll keep you from ruining your life, keep you from ever changing. You'll be established. You'll see the will of God for your life. You'll have eternal joy. That's big time. That's big time promises. These things have to be in your remembering and abounding, overflowing, all right? We're going to talk about that this next week. Father, thank you for your